The receiver purred in his hand. He glanced around the bedroom, feeling as if he had just awakened from a long, dreamless sleep. A click, then recorded music. He had been placed on hold. There was something he was trying to remember. Everything seemed to be ready, but... Thank you for waiting, good afternoon, Pacific Southwest Airlines. May I help you? He told the voice about his reservation. He was sure he had one. Would she... Yes! Confirmed. He thanked her and hung up. Wait, what was the flight number? He must have written it down. Yes, it was probably in his wallet. He bent over the coat on the bed, feeling for the slim leather billfold. There in the breast pocket, he fumbled through business cards, odd papers, credit plates. No. But no matter. He would find out when he got there. Still, there was something. He pulled out the drawer in the nightstand under the phone and started poking around, not even sure of what he was looking for. He found a long, unmarked envelope near the bottom. He took it and held it tightly as he slipped the coat on, then put it into the inside pocket while he felt with his other hand for the keys. He patted his outer pockets, but they were not there. Dennis Etchison. Dennis Etchison. Who has a name that starts with a D and a last name that ends similarly to this? Dennis Etchison? Yeah. How do, wait, what do you mean? What is I keep misreading his name as somebody else's name, but I can't figure out whose. Oh, oh, I thought what you were saying was like, who has a name like no. this? Not who literally has a name. Dennis Etchison. I don't know. Oh, you're I know what you're thinking of. You're thinking of Ennis Detchison. No. <laughs> <laughs> Denny. Denny Itchmeister. I don't know. Have we covered anyone who sounds like Dennis Edison? No, it's a, I think it's another author, though. Yeah, Francis Belcherson. Mavis Wenterson. I don't know. I'm oh, looking no, at the it's list. Not somebody, it's not somebody whose name is similar to it. They just have the same two starting letters for their names. That's, uh, uh, uh what's his first name? Eggers. Dave Eggers? Yeah. You're thinking of Dave Eggers? Yes. <laughs> just like just like popular crime writer Dennis Etchison, Dave Eggers. No, a I man was famous about, for making the worst friends. I was uh I was thinking about Dave Eggers earlier cuz my mom asked me about that party that I went to in um yeah. my senior year. Egg Davers. No, this is uh, this is Dennis Etchison, famous, uh, world-renowned anthologist and short story writer. But why are we talking about Dennis Etchison, Willow? Who because are we? What's going on? Well, I can't answer the who are we without doing the intro, so... So, I'm Phil. And I'm Willow. And it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. It's Del Toro it's time. It's Del Toro time. And we are back with the ecstasy of... No. No, we're back we with back. The Dark Descent. <laughs> the Dark Descent. Ecstasy of Influence. We will get back to one day. Listen. Promise. Listen. Fingers crossed. We will. Just listen. Just listen. We're busy. We're busy children. We've got a lot I'm going on. I'm actually really not busy. No, you're not. 
Uh, you probably should be, but you're I not. I should be. I am working on that. But that's not important for the content of this that podcast. That is not important for what anyone cares about right now. Yep. Um, Ennis Detjesson. No, uh, yes, we are back. It's the Dark Descent. We are on the Medusa and the Shield. We are on the sixth to the last story in the Medusa <laughs> and the Shield. Uh, David G. Hartwell's second book within the book, The Dark Descent. Uh, these are stories of psychological psychological horror, like yeah, yeah. like the, the the monster reflected in the mirror. Like what's yeah. go- this is definitely about the <laughs> the monster reflected in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. So uh, according to uh, according to our boy uh, D. G. Hartwell. Uh, uh, Dennis Etchison, who we're covering today, he's an anthologist and a writer. Who's uh, he says occasional short stories, but honestly, like Dennis Etchison wrote a ton of short stories, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he first compiled them in The Dark Country, which won the uh, World Fantasy Award in 1982. Uh, he wrote a bunch of of not a bunch; these are like five novels, which people don't consider like his greatest works. But he also wrote. Some uh, very, some sort of somewhat classic uh, novelizations. He wrote the novelization of The Fog, John Carpenter's The Fog. I think Halloween 2 and 3, maybe, and maybe he wrote like, I think he wrote like the original screenplay for Halloween 4, but it was rejected. Uh, So he kind of had his fingers in a lot of like horror pies. I sure go for some horror pie. It's getting that it's going to spooky season. I know it's September first when we were recording this. I'm all excited. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, Edison, he died a few years ago. He's one of those people who was greatly eulogized. Like everyone loved this guy. Like apparently he was just the bee's knees. Um he wrote he never he said he never intended to become a horror writer, but there was just no way he could not become a horror writer because of his this the way his mind worked. Uh, he did a lot of crime, though. In today's story... He did a lot can... of crime. He did a lot of crime <laughs> stories. He did a lot of crime. And today's story is You Can Go Now. Uh, it originally right. appeared... I'll head out, I guess. Yeah. No, what four words am I happier to hear than those four? Yeah, honestly. Horror story. I think you mean my dream. Yes. Aspirational tale. You can go now. Thanks. I'm out. Uh, yes. At a, if I'm ever at a party or any kind of gathering, if someone would whisper those words gently in my ear, that's like the ultimate ASMR. You can go now. Thanks. I was planning on leaving two minutes ago. Now it's Minnesota, so of course it takes us an hour to leave. Am I right? No. <laughs> The Minnesota goodbye. Ho-ho, we stand at the door I don't even, for forever. I don't even bother saying goodbye. I just leave. I know you do. Duck, duck, gray duck, and whatever. Yep. State fair, corn dog on a stick. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> this first appeared in the 1980, September 1980 edition of Mike Shane Mystery Magazine. Mike Shane being a fictional detective who first appeared in the 30s. There's like... 12 Mike Shane movies. Uh, there's like an entire TV series of Mike Shane. Several of the Mike Shane movies were based on pre existing detective novels that they just like rewrote them to be Mike Shane novels, uh, stories. Uh, and then like the creator of Mike Shane started this mystery magazine. It's just a mystery magazine. Like there'll be one Mike Shane story in each edition and then a bunch of like mystery stories from other authors, including. Dennis Etchison's You Can Go Now, uh, which uh, first appeared in this magazine. 
it is an interesting mystery story yeah i was a little confused when i saw that this was where it first appeared because this is uh, it's kind of a hard to quantify tale it is a mystery though but like a bass ackwards mystery like a like it, a bass ackwards mystery a bass ackwards mystery I'm, I'm just quoting my dad here oh. uh, uh yeah it doesn't you don't realize it's a mystery at first because you don't know what's going on until really, like I I thought it was a mystery because you didn't know what was going on I mean it's not it's not a typical mystery mystery no. it, it's a mystery in the sense that like what is happening but <laughs> like uh, it, once you've read it, you can then go back and reread it, and you're like, okay, 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 mm-hmm. yow, wow. Uh, but it doesn't play its hand until the very end. No. It's very yeah. good, though. Uh, in, yeah, and very weird. It Nothing happens in it, really, because you're not really sure at the end, like, well, I don't know. Let's just talk about what is this story about? The story is about a man. Yeah. We don't know He's, his name, do we? No, we don't. He is traveling somewhere. He's traveling to like a boathouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really get that until like the very like last three thirds of the story. It's a short story, obviously. Right, um, but it's divided into like chapters. Yeah, the four chapters. Four or five, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first chapter is him. Uh. At like the hotel room, he's taught he talks to like the airplane person, and then he gets in his car and he drives, and it ends with him getting killed in a car crash. Mm-hmm. The second part is him on the airplane, and I was like, I'm so glad we didn't read this before getting on the airplane <laughs> right. home. I would need to read about a plane crash before getting on an airplane, um, because it does end with a plane crash. It does, yeah. Um, uh... And this, like this. These this first these first two sections, I was like, is this like a like a retelling of like Cain, like the curse of Cain? Like he can't he can't is that the one who can't no, that's Prometheus who can't die, right? Right. Cain is the one who Cain is the one who murdered his brother. Right. And he, he travels the world but he's protected by the mark of Cain. Yeah. Um it's like a retelling of Prometheus, like he keeps like dying over and over again, like as a punishment. Um and then I got to the third part, and I was like, I have no idea what's happening anymore. Right, because it doesn't end with him dying. It's just ends with yeah. him driving to his to his boat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he can't find his boat, and then he walks into the lake. Presumably to drown. To drown. And then it opens back up at the hotel. Yeah. Same scene as before. And then he's like, and here's my wife dead on the bed. Right. He has murdered his wife. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but you don't even find that out until the very end because yeah. she's just laying on the bed originally. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, and he tells the airport person, my wife isn't coming. She's not feeling well. And then he looks at her and he loves her. Or he, he reads a poem. Yeah, there's this whole, well, in any case, he, the, yeah. And then like it gradually it reveals that there's blood all over the pillow. Mm-hmm. And then. But it doesn't like uh, come out and say it. Right. How does it, 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 it like, says. Brown uh, webs in her hair. Yeah, dried brown web had trickled out, just a spot at first, but soon spreading onto the pillow after he had lain her down so gently. He had not meant it. He had not meant anything like it. He did not even remember what he had meant, and that was the truth. 
he had tried to tell her that practically at the moment it had happened, but then it was already too late and it was too late now. It would always be too late. And he's holding a poem that he wrote to her. Mm-hmm. At 15 the beginning years of their, ago? Yeah, 15 years ago at the beginning of their relationship about how beautiful she was. And it's titled, You Can Go Now. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the story. Like the whole story is him heading to this houseboat but then at the end it cuts back to the moment the story begins and you realize that either the whole story was a projection like him imagining what would happen or it's what will like you don't know it does because he dies multiple times i was at first like is he doing that obsessive thing where you like envision your own death over and over Which, again yeah anytime i was in a situation that made me like anxious yeah yeah it seems like he's fantasizing about this would be a good way to especially, end this especially since during the boat scene um the boat i believe is named after his wife right. um uh and so when he gets to the boat place and it's not there it sort of feels more like a his own like created metaphor for he doesn't have his wife anymore and right and of course the only we way don't... that he can follow her is to die right we don't know in the beginning that his wife was in the bedroom with him he just leaves yeah. and it doesn't mention it's almost like she's he's blind to her at that moment mm-hmm. or like he's a racer so in a way it almost felt like the entire story takes place like in that one second of realization yeah. of what he's done and he just sort of imagines this scenario these multiple scenarios where he dies Mm-hmm. And then he's back to reality and he has to come to terms with what he something like that. Yeah. It's it's like a it's like a never ending cycle of guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it's also like if we want to go the more supernatural route, like um he's stuck in a loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is that sense of like, will he just keep doing this over and over again? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, like, there's like when I the, when I first read the story, I didn't get the sense that it had cut back to like the time. Like I got the sense that it had just started over again. Mm, I see, I see what you're yeah. saying. Uh, right, because in the beginning of the story, when he's trying to get to leave, he can't find anything he needs. Like he keeps searching for his wallet, he keeps looking for the keys, he <laughs> finds the keys by the front door on the ground as if they'd been thrown there. And then at the end of the story, he remembers that his wife threw them there. Yeah. Presumably during a fight, we don't find out anything. All we really know is that he used to find her beautiful. He <laughs> doesn't anymore. I don't think, he think he basically says he doesn't really love her anymore. Um, it's a sort of like they, they fell into a pattern and he says he fe- there's like love between him and her. Right. But it's not like it used to be. Yeah, but it's like nothing that gives any hint as to what would have led to a murder. Yeah. Except yeah. for except for earlier in the story, um, during the boat scene, he talks about how Shelley wanted him to stop paying for the boat all year. Right. That's like the one conflict yeah. we hear about. We don't even know he's married until that point. Yeah. Uh there's like a whole thing where he's going to go look for a guy to help him find the boat. And we find out a little bit about the guy, but 
that doesn't go anywhere. There's a weird mm-hmm. thing where he drives past a barn that has a message on it that says Hiara Peru Resh. I want to look up H- what that means. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't? Uh, I found one reference to it online, and it's a person saying, does anyone know what Hiara Peru Resh means? <laughs> Uh, that's it. Like that's all I found. There's I was an album that has a very similar. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not it. Uh, I, I, this is one of those stories that I had assumed there would be a lot written about. Yeah, but there's not. There's a lot of people who review uh his short story collection i guess he has more famous short stories mm-hmm. so those are the ones that tend to get talked about this one basically people are like i really like this story it's very enigmatic i don't know what it's about it makes me feel weird you can go now like there's not a whole lot of analysis about this story out there at least not that i was able to find uh and you know me i, I i'm like a dog with a bone i'll i'll dig into the deepest, darkest, ugliest parts of the internet to find a a random yeah. high school uh, essay someone wrote about a story just to True. have something to talk about. I'm surprised there's not more written about it. Right, because it's so short. It's so simple, but th- it's... You really feel like you're inside this guy's mind. Yeah. Like, this is yeah. a... This is very good. Yeah, it's a really good st- like it how long does this thing take to read? Like Uh well, I read it before we started recording, so like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's like a quick 15 minute read. It's just if you if you I'm looking at the original copy of the Mike Shane Mystery Magazine, which I found online. Mm-hmm. It's just crammed in the middle. It's on page 75, like yeah. out of out of 132. Like it's just smack in the middle of this magazine. It it didn't get a whole lot of attention. I mean, I assume that I don't know. Edgerson sold it for you know a couple hundred bucks and uh-huh. went on his merry way. But it's it's and that he put included it in his first collection. But yeah, there's no like there's no Twilight Zone episode based on this. There's no and I think I think Edgerson worked on like the revival of the Twilight Zone in the eighties. Uh, but there's no yeah there's no Outer Limits episode. This is just this is the story. This is what it is. Yeah. It's I don't, yeah. I'm kind of glad there's no episode of anything based on it because of how internal the story is. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it works really well in written format, but it wouldn't work as well, like, on a screen. Unless you did, like, if you translated this exactly, mm-hmm. it would be a very strange short film. Like, yeah. if you didn't try to explain anything, if you didn't give anything away, if you just presented it exactly as written with no internal monologue or anything, mm-hmm. just this guy, like, trying to get from point A to point B and dying after every scene, and then it cuts back at the beginning and he's back in the hotel room with his dead wife. That would at be least... a great indie student film. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, wouldn't it wouldn't have been a very good episode of Tales from the Dark Side or anything. No. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Dennis Etch, I mean, that's, I, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, I can't believe there's not more written about this. You can, I guess you can pick this story apart just for the language if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see a good paper being written about his use this, of language in this. 
This is a story I would have written a paper about in one of my classes in college. Like for yeah. for specifically for my my Keystone course, uh, uh-huh. the which was all about breaking apart literature techniques and stuff. Like I would have written mm-hmm. about this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's almost like we've had a couple of stories uh, like this where it almost seems like it was written to be analyzed. Yeah. Uh, but not in a bad way. Yeah, like there's, there's so much here and also so little at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like this is a story that I want to like m- try and mimic, just to see if I can. Yeah, if you can get like, if you can pare your writing down, this is like the an example of like paring writing down to only what is necessary. Mm-hmm. Like I, I am writing a story about a guy who murdered his wife, and kind of what goes on in his head afterwards. But I am just going to make it the most basic point A to point B version of that story. And yet, it still nearly made me cry at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know why I got so emotional about it. <laughs> yeah, you said you said before we started recording that it it made you emotional. Yeah, I think it was just. There's just something so, it just hit me really, the poem, I think, is what hit me really hard. Just like, because he didn't even recognize his own writing at first, and then he saw his name, and he was like, oh, that's right, I did write this. Like, I did love this woman. And then when it reveals she died, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, and it's not usual, when I, when it first revealed that she had been killed, I was, Re- like it, because it it happens in the last like half of a paragraph in like one Bitter. sentence it's like in that two seconds it took me to read that whole part i went from my eyes starting to roll because it was such an obvious twist to it just totally working for me yep. <laughs> like he he it seemed like I was like, oh, come he. Oh, that's what this is. It's just some guy who killed his wife. Uh, oh, oh, no, this is really good. Yeah. <laughs> it just it sort of took me on a journey, a really quick journey. Um, yeah, apparently, and I, I do intend to read more of his stuff. Apparently, he writes a lot. People say that he writes a lot about like sort of the darkness and brutality of human existence, but not from a misanthropic way. He's not... It's not the whimper of whipped dogs. It's he he has a sympathy for his yeah. characters and there's a sadness about him. And also he says he yeah. people wrote about how he writes about he writes about people who exist like in the in the strip malls of of America. Like people who who mm-hmm. no, they're not in the big these aren't in the big city. They're just just the so and so's you pass on the street, and kind of like the 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 quiet desperation of their lives. Like that's the horror, where the horror comes from. Apparently, he didn't write many supernatural stories. He's written a few supernatural stories, but his horror doesn't tend to rely on on ghosts and goblins. Yeah. yeah, I think that I think that what did hit me so hard about this was just you can tell how sympathetic and like. You can tell that he like the, the this author like had sympathy for the character that he was writing. Yeah. Just in the way that it's written. And it, it does yeah. a really good job at building up like a of a, a feeling like you have feelings for this guy and then at the end it reveals he killed his wife and you're like, I don't know 
how <laughs> to feel now. Well, it's that yeah, it's that thing of like he he's done something horrible, but you've spent so long in his head, yeah. in his like in, within his desperation that that I think that's kind of the trick is that you you have to feel along with him before you find out what he's done. Yeah. And maybe maybe his wife was a villain and he saved the world. I don't think so. <laughs> maybe he was like she was going to poison the Gotham water supply and, <laughs> and he saved the day. Uh but he never wrote a sequel to it so we'll never know. We'll never know. The sequel is called You Can Go Now Too. Can I Come Back In? I Forgot My My Wallet. Can I Come Back In? I Forgot My Keys. Right. Uh, any other thoughts on, on this? No. I mean, it just doesn't. It's, I, there's, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Like, I love the way that the title of the poem is the last line of the story. And I want to yeah. know what the title. I want to know what the title of the poem meant originally, mm-hmm. because titling a poem about like about like loving someone and their beauty, you can go now, is very interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, and I want. I want to know. I want to know what changed. Yeah. Then but I guess that's not like. That's not like the point. Yeah. But it 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 makes me want more. I want to know more. And I think that's uh, it. That's good for stories to do. Right, right. Leave you, leave you wanting more, and not unlike, unlike the whimper of whipped dogs, which left me wanting less. It, it left, which left me wanting uh, less of the author in general. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, actually, made me, made me dislike, dislike an author that I used to kind of like. Um. Yeah, not to not to yuck anybody's yum if they like if they like that author. Oh yeah, nineteen uh, twenty nineteen is when Etchison died. Twenty nineteen. Damn. Um, we were doing this podcast. Oh here, yeah, he wrote uh, the script to Halloween four, and it says that uh, he says, uh, and actually John Carpenter like asked him to do it, and he, he says mm-hmm. uh, Halloween was so his idea for Halloween four was. Halloween was banned in Haddonfield, and I think that the basic idea was that if you tried to suppress something, it would only rear its head more strongly. By the very attempt of trying to erase the memory of Michael Myers, the teenagers were going to ironically bring him back into existence. And the whole like Halloween being banned in Haddonfield thing does end up coming back, uh, c- coming into play in the Halloween series. Like, yep. So that idea does he 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 had something that stuck around, but uh, Mustafa Akkad rejected it the the producer because uh he thought it was too cerebral um so yeah too, people too are weird about slasher films right right i love slasher uh, films well good yeah no oh, this is a good story what's our next yeah. story what is what what is coming up next on the medusa in the shield the dark descent 2 What's it called? Well, it's D.H. Lawrence's The Rocking Horse Winner. The Rocking Horse Winner uh, by D.H. Lawrence. I believe this is the only spooky story D.H. Lawrence ever wrote. 
and it made it into the uh, Dark Descent, D.H. Lawrence. So, um, yeah, old Lawrence of Arabia himself. So we get to, uh, what? You're looking at me weird. Am I? What? You gave me this look. I just haven't heard the term Lawrence of Arabia in a long time. Yeah, D.H. Lawrence. David Herbert Lawrence. Uh, uh. At the time of his death, he had been variously scorned as tasteless, avant-garde, and a pornographer who had only garnered success for erotica. Cool. We love him. We uh, love him. Well, let's learn more about him before we declare that. Yes. Uh, I'm just going to call him Lawrence of Arabia the entire time. I have to sneeze. He's not <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Until next time when we read the rocking horse winner. Who has the rocking horse and how do they win? I don't know. Do they win I a guess rocking we'll, horse? Do they win a rocking horse or do they win yeah. a race on a rocking horse? Seems seems difficult, but I guess we'll have <laughs> just to find out. Just a little bit. <laughs> you just you just keep going, buddy. You just keep going. Motorized rocking horse. I'm a winning. Uh, uh, we until next time. Maybe I'll watch the movie, The Rocking Horse Winner, uh, which which has a, a movie poster of a person on a rocking horse that's on fire. So I can't wait. I can't wait to see what this book right. is about. Let's the 1942 see this. film. Um, uh, never mind. <laughs> until then, uh, check us out uh, on Facebook under it's del toro time uh that's it that's that's all. it listen to my berenstain bear show if you want to yeah uh i'm phil and i'm willow and we'll see you when it's, it's del, del toro, toro time, time.